bless his name. Turn with me this evening to Matthew chapter 24. Knowing the days we live in, part 5. Matthew chapter 24. Beginning to read at verse 23, please. The Lord Jesus is the speaker. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Flick over to Mark's Gospel, please. Mark chapter 13, our second reading this evening. Mark chapter 13, verse 21. This is Mark's account. And then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. For false Christ and false prophets shall arise and show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But take ye heed, behold, I have foretold you all these things. But in those days, after that the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power. And glory. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the sense of your presence. Thank you, Lord, for the worship that has went before. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this house. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Take your word, Lord, and inscribe it upon our hearts and print it upon our minds. We pray, Lord, that we will leave here this evening. Lord, we will leave here in touch with God. And if not saved, Lord, they will leave here born again of the Spirit and washed in the blood of the Lamb. We ask it for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Amen. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. This no means be keeping this in your mind. That's the way it reads. Be keeping this in your mind. Brother, sister, friend tonight, be keeping this in your mind. When you go home tonight, be keeping this in your mind. When you're lying on your bed tonight, be keeping this in your mind. 
when you get up in the morning, be keeping this in your mind. Be keeping this in your mind that in the last days, perilous times shall come. The word here for times is a Greek word, kairos. And the Archbishop Trench in his Greek study says, he gives this reference to the word times or kairos. And I quote him, he says, it speaks of and points to, quote, a critical epoch-making period when all that has been slowly and often without observation, ripening through long ages, is now mature and maturing and comes to the birth in grand decisive events, which constitute at once the close of one period and the commencement of another. Paul is saying, be keeping this in your mind. There's going to come a time when that which is now and has been, Timothy, will ripen, will mature, will grow. It will be an epoch-making time in world history. In other words, not only will it be in history, but it will spread globally. It will fill the earth. It gives the idea of something coming to birth and making decisive events in the earth which constitute at once, notice the close of one period and the commencement of another. Know the days in which you're living in tonight. We are coming to these ripening times These times of the maturity of evil in our land, evil in this world. And this will mature and close and climax when it finishes and another time comes. The second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be assured tonight and know the days in which you live. Through the last few weeks, we have looked at how God's word tells us that the last days started 2,000 years ago. At the death, the burial, the resurrection, then the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ into the heavens. Of course, on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 that were filled or baptized with the Holy Ghost in the upper room. And as they come out, they thought they were drunk. They were, as it were, staggering in the Spirit, speaking with other tongues as the Spirit give them utterance. And men and women looked at them and thought they were drunk at the early hour of the morning. Peter marks this epoch-making time of the pouring out of the Holy Ghost. And Peter marks it by quoting the prophet Joel. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, Peter says, And it shall come to pass... In the last days, note that, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And Peter says, these are those days. That's 2,000 years ago. These are the last days that Joel prophesied of under the spirit and the anointing 
of prophecy. Paul says to Timothy, it's here now, Timothy. And it will escalate, even as Bishop Trent says, it will grow, it will mature, and it will usher in the commencement of another time. In Matthew chapter 24 and in Mark 13 of our reading, the Master warns us of false Christs and secondly of false prophets. The two places we are to look for them and to find them are also mentioned. For example, in Matthew 24 and verse 26, the Master says, Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert. Notice, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Notice, he says, believe it not. Go not forth and believe it not. Here we have the desert and we have the secret chambers. Now, there have been false Christs and false prophets throughout time. That is from the second coming of our Lord, or the first coming of our Lord, and there will be until the second coming of our Lord. But this will mature and will grow as a head on a boil. In other words, there will be false Christ that will, it will be a, a false Christ system. There will be a false prophet system that will grow as a head on a boil. It will mature and it will grow up in the earth. Notice this. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, But there were false Christs also among the people. Sorry, there were false prophets, rather, also among the people, even as there shall be, notice, false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, notice, even denying the Lord that bought them. Even denying the Lord that bought them. Also in Acts chapter 13 and verse 6, it tells us of a certain Jew who was a false apostle called Bar-Jesus. So there have been false Christs, people claiming to be Christ, people taking the worship of Christ, people in opposition against Christ. False Christ, or in other words, anti-Christ. And there have been false prophets prophesying against the Lord and his Christ. I have showed you this before. Remember the word anti-Christ. First of all, anti means in the place of. It can mean an open rebellion, in open opposition. But it also means that, gives the idea of someone who denies the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 1 and 22. John says, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, or he that denieth that Jesus is Messiah? Take note of that. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Now we have looked at this. And in all honesty, let's think of who denies the deity of Christ. The Jehovah's Witnesses deny the deity of Christ. Unitarian or the non-subscribing Presbyterian in Mass, they deny the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Islam 
denies the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you ready for it? Judaism denies that Christ is Messiah. And that's not politically correct when you say that, but that's the truth. Now listen, in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 13, we also, it also mentions Antichrists. In 2 John chapter 1 and verse 7, also it mentions it. And in 1 John chapter 2 verse 18, note what John says, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. Who was around in John's day to say that Christ was not the Son of God? But the Jews. So Austrianism was there. The Gnostics. These sort of people denied the deity of Jesus. Denied that he was God, a very God, clothed and manifest in the flesh. And this is the spirit of Antichrist. In other words, denying the deity of Christ. Also, anti means an open opposition or rebellion or substituting the things of Christ. Let me just run this past you. Matthew 24 and verse 5 says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. Notice, and shall deceive many. Here we have people claiming to be Christ. Antichrist. Claiming to be Christ, sitting in the place of Christ, taking the worship of God as if or though he were God. He says, they are the false Christs. They're not real Christs. They're anti-Christ. Now you're told if you go to the bookshop and get a book that the church will be raptured and there'll be one man and he is the anti-Christ who will come and make a covenant with the Jews and break it in the middle of the year or the middle of the week, which is about three and a half years, and there'll be great tribulation and the Lord will come back the third time. First time was at Bethlehem, second time was secretly, the third time he'll come back after that. Now I want to tell you something, I've told you it before. If that be so, now if that be so, and there is the Antichrist, I need to see, we need to read it in Scripture, the definite article, the. It doesn't say it. Antichrist is a spirit. And it manifests in certain directions. It is a spirit, even as John tells us, it is the spirit of Antichrist. Claiming to be Christ and then the place of Christ. Here's another thing. The Babylonian Talmud, Jesus calls it the traditions of men. And the traditions of men were put in place for the commandments of God or added to. And it overrides the word of God. It is an antichrist teaching, taking the word of God and replacing it with a Babylonian Talmud. Talmud Talmudic teaching will tell you, you can read it and get your own and you'll read it. Talmudic teaching will tell you something and this is what it will say about our Lord Jesus Christ. 
it will say that he is illegitimate. I'm putting that politely. And that even now he's in hell boiling in his own excrement. That's what it says about our Savior. Go read it for yourself. Anyhow, Mark 13 and verse 22 tells us that these false Christs and false prophets will seduce, if at all possible, the very elect. The word elect means the chosen out once. See, if you're saved, you're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. You're his. The chosen out ones, and there are many who are being duped. Here's another thing. If the church secretly and no one knows is caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and I do believe in the catching away, not just a catching away and a three and a half year later coming back again. But if it be so that we are caught away and no one sees it, and this one man, Antichrist, should appear, tell me how, please tell me, could it be possible to deceive the very elect? We're not even on the earth anymore. Trust everyone's with me at this point. Staying with me. So the false pro- prophet in the desert, the false Christ, the secret chambers. And these are, two, these are manifest in two mainstream religious systems. They were spoken of by Daniel in Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 8. And they're almost parallel in history. The little horn of the West is in Daniel chapter 7. We looked at it. I can't go over it again. And we find it in papal Rome. We find it in the Vatican. And that is the little horn of the West. Tonight we'll want to look briefly at that. And then we'll move the little horn of the East. First of all, the little horn of the West... We looked at the four, uh, the four kingdoms that would come. And in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he sees a man with a head of gold. And he sees a man, his, 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 his arms and his breast is silver. And his belly and his thighs were brass. And his legs were iron. And his feet were made of iron and of clay. Daniel comes and he says to Nebuchadnezzar, Thou art this head of gold. That is the kingdom of Babylon. Then he says, after that would come the silver kingdom, which would be the Medo-Persian Empire. After that would take over throughout time, would come Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire, which is the brass. Then after that would come the Caesars of Rome. And they would take over. That would be the kingdom that were there or the, the empire that would be there at the time of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it would morph, it would change, for the iron doesn't change to a different metal. The iron comes from the leg of Rome right down to the feet. And that means that system flows and morphs right into the next. And that's when the little horn comes up. That is the papal system coming out. From it, we have the European Union. I'll teach you more about that again. I've done a series on it. I'll teach you more about that again. We have the European Union and we had the 10 provinces that were around that make up most of Europe today in history. They were there when the papacy started to arise. Daniel chapter 7. That's Daniel 2. Daniel chapter 7. 
Daniel has a dream. Nebuchadnezzar has this one. Daniel interprets it. But now Daniel has a dream himself. And the Lord shows Daniel these kingdoms through God's eyes. The head of gold, oh, it's glorious. But the Lord shows it as a lion with wings. Now I went through these. I can't go through them all again. That is the Babylonian kingdom. Then a lopsided bear. Speaking of the coalition government, one side higher than the other of of Cyrus the Persian and Darius the Mede coming together to conquer. Then Alexander the Great is a four-headed leopard. Take note, take a mental note. Four-headed leopard, very important for this evening. And then after the four-headed leopard, we also see then a, a beast, a monster. There's a little drawing up there. I don't, I don't know what that's more like, the pink panther I think. I don't know what he looks like. But the four-headed beast, or this beast comes, and he can see that it's, there's a lion and represented, and, and a bear and, and, and a leopard, and he can see it and understand it, but he gets interested, more interested, in this beast, for he can't work it out, some sort of creature. You know why he can't work it out? Because it becomes a mystery. Mystery Babylon the Great. That which would deceive many in the earth to bring them in, under the the Babylonian system of religious worship, then at the breaking of the Reformation, and then to bring them in again under ecumenism, where let's all get together as brothers and sisters. Can't understand this. He's looking at this system, for it also becomes political, and it also becomes financial, and fills the whole earth. And of course, springing from that, come the Illuminati. Springing from that comes the Jesuits. Springing from that come the Legion of Mary. Springing from that comes the Blue Army. Springing from oh, so many things spring from it. Springing from it. You ready? Comes Mormonism. Springing from it comes Freemasons. Now it fills the whole earth in the abundance of its wealth. But God said in Revelation 19 that he would judge mystery Babylon. Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. Why do you think that the nations are being shaken tonight? Know the days you're living in. Why do you think that the financial systems are collapsing? Because the the system that we are enslaved under, the system that you're enslaved under for the debt usury system, that monetary system is everything against God's word. You know why God said unto Israel, they were not to charge usury. That is the Babylonian monetary system. That's why it's collapsing. For God is shaking the world. We sing the song, he's got the whole world in his hands. You're right, he has. And he's shaking it at the minute. And it's fallen. It's fallen. In 9-11... When those planes went into the towers in London, the two, uh, in 7 7, and the bombs in London, they are the two leading world monetary centers of the whole world. God is shaking it. Here we have this beast, he gets interested in it, it has 10 horns representing 10 toes. And out of the ten horns comes a stouter horn. And of course that is the papal horn that comes out of it. 
Better move on swiftly. This little horn is the horn of the east. We'll look at the other one in a moment. Listen to what the claims that are addressed to the popes in their coronation. Now, I haven't written this. This is theirs. I quote, As they place a triple crown upon the head of the pope. Notice what it says. Receive this tiara embellished with three crowns. And know that you are the father of princes and kings, the supreme judge of the universe. The vicar of Christ. I don't know about you, but that's dangerous talk. Yahweh, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the one and only supreme judge of the universe. Here we have this crown placed upon the head. And the crown means that he has authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth, the underworld. And he holds the ruling power. So the Savior says in Matthew 24 and verse 26, at the end of verse 26, Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not, not to believe in the system. Secret chambers is when a pope dies and another, they need another pope in the place and, and to sit in the seat. They go into where? The secret chambers in the Sistine Chapel and they literally seal the doors. And in the secret chamber, they decide and deliberate who will be the next pope. You know how the people outside know they have now found another vicar of Christ? The smoke arises from the chimney when they burn the ballot papers. And the seal is open. The Lord says, believe it not. Sitting in the place of Christ. By the way, vicar in Latin means basically anti. If you look it up in the Latin, vicar of Christ is Antichristos, the Antichrist. That is the spirit manifesting of the little horn in the east. In Mark chapter 13, the Lord Jesus says, For false Christs and false prophets shall arise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. Brothers and sisters, I know that this is not politically correct. And I know that this may be hard for people to hear because of some of the teaching that they may have heard. And it's not my intention to offend anyone. It is my intention to inform everyone. For the truth shall set you free. So if you're coming to me and you say, we're going to get together with all the churches and we're going to throw in the chapel down the road, you're on your own. That's the truth. You're on your own. I can fellowship with other believers, don't get me wrong, but you're on your own. Do you see this doctrine that I'm teaching? The greatest preachers that ever lived believed this. The Puritans believed it. The Reformers believed it. The great John Wesley, founder of Methodism, we have a few of our Methodist friends here tonight, and God bless you, we're really delighted to see you. He believed it. His brother Charles believed it. In fact, John Wesley, in preaching in Charles's hymns and the praise and worship that ascended under God, saved Britain from a French Revolution. We need men like that. 
Knox believed it. John Knox. George Whitfield believed it. But I tell you something else. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Baptist, believed it. Taught it. And George Jeffries. Elam's founder believed this also. The message, the gospel of the kingdom of God. So, let me move on. That's the little horn of the west, now the little horn of the east. This is our, our main thrust tonight. And we will, in the Lord's will, move into, uh, into it again next week, maybe in a, in a different way or a deeper way. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 8, please, if you have your Bible with you. Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 7, we have the four beasts. And then Daniel has another dream. He sees a, a, a ram and he sees an he-goat. A ram with two horns. One horn is higher than the other. And he sees a goat with a large prominent horn on his head. Daniel chapter 8 please. And just, you can read it all when you go home. You'll, you'll understand maybe better where we're coming from. But let your eye run down to verse 7. And I saw him come close unto the ram. That is the he goat. And he was moved with chlor against him and smote the ram and break his two horns. Note that. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground and stamped upon him. And there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Therefore the he goat waxed very great. And when he was strong, the great horn was broken, for it came up for, for it came up four, note this, four noble ones toward the four winds of heaven. And the ram here is the same as the lopsided bear. That is the Medo, well, there's me picture, the Medo Persian. The Medes and the Persians. The two horns mean the Medes and the Persians. That, that, that coalition government. They were pressing westward. Alexander the Great and his Grecian Empire is the ram. He comes pressing eastward. And they crush. That's the silver kingdom and the bronze or the brass kingdom of the man. And of course we know Alexander the Great was victorious. But know what the scripture says. In Daniel chapter 8 and in verse 8. Therefore the he goat waxed very great. And when he was strong, the great horn was broken. That's Alexander the Great himself. He died at the age of 32. And his strength, and his youth as it were. As a young man, he died at about 32 years of age. And when it was broken, it says, And for it came up four noble ones toward the four winds. Now notice, four noble ones. Remember the leopard had four heads. The four noble ones and the four-headed leopard from Daniel chapter 7 are the same. They are four generals which came after Alexander the Great. And they split up Alexander the Great's kingdom between them. For example, they are Cassander. He took Macedonia and Greece. Lysimachus took Thrace and Bithynia. Seleucus took Syria and Babylon. Ptolemy took Egypt and for a time, he took Palestine 
and Arabia. Say for a time because Seleucus eventually moved down and conquered that also and took it. Now, we're told there are four noble ones and these are they who spread out between them. But then it concentrates on one of them. Look at verse 9 of Daniel 8. And out of one of them came forth a little horn and waxed exceeding great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. Note where it says, toward the south, then it goes east, then the pleasant land. The pleasant land also means the glorious land. The glorious land. Now there was a fulfillment in one man called Antiochus Epiphanes. And many people believe this little horn of the east is Antiochus Epiphanes. He persecuted, he was a tyrant against the remnant of Judah at Jerusalem. He was a tyrant against them. So they thought this must be he. He sacrificed a pig and put the pig's head where the temple was. That would be around the days of the Maccabees. The Maccabees is between the Old and New Testament times, about 150 years before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I believe, and many like me believe, it goes farther than that. It becomes bigger than that. Go to verse 17 for time's sake. You can read it when you go home. Notice what... Daniel is told here. It says, So he came near where I stood. This is Gabriel comes to him. Where I stood. And when he came, he said, I was afraid and fell upon my face. And he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall the vision be. I see what you're saying. Seeing this horn coming. It's at the time of the end. Now, Antiochus Epiphanes was before the first coming Bethlehem, so it can't be him. It must be at the time of the end. When is the time of the end? The last death. The Christian era. So it has to be sometime during the Christian era that this horn starts to produce itself and take forward. We know from history... That Seleucus and this kingdom, the Seleucid kingdom, was taken up and went right the whole way down to Saudi Arabia. From Saudi Arabia, it conquered the Arabian Peninsula, went south. That's what verse 9 says. He will go south. And after he went south, he will go east. And he went east and conquered right out round by Babylon. And for some reason, he changed. And he came back the whole way across to Jerusalem. He came to the glorious land. So, is this little horn of the West? This little horn is the false prophet of Islam. We'll show you that next week more, but some this evening. Mecca is in Saudi Arabia, the headquarters, coming to the pleasant land in 637 AD. And Jerusalem was taken over by Islamic forces. So here we have the spirit of Antichrist arising in Jerusalem again. Stay with me. And why the little horn of the West is manifest in Rome 
and at the Vatican and symbolizes as a place of worship upon a hill, St. Peter's in the Vatican. You know, you see the big statue of St. Peter. That's not really St. Peter, you know. That's Zeus. You know who Zeus was? Zeus was the god of the Greeks in full opposition against Jehovah. The people are being deceived. They're subtle. They're bringing them in. Now listen to this. The little horn of the west. Here we have a horn that arises in St. Peter's. The little horn of the east. While it has its headquarters and is prominent in Mecca. It has the little horn of the east sitting. It's known as the Mosque of Omar. It has a golden dome. It sits on the temple mount where Solomon's temple sat. And here is the horn of the east. When you look at Jerusalem and you see that golden dome, that is the representation of the horn of the east. The Islamic temple sitting on the hill where Jehovah's temple sat. Here are the two horns, one in the west and one in the east. This, I have so much material that I will have to do, maybe an or two or three, whatever. But this is where people are trying to build a Jewish temple for this one man Antichrist who they say is coming, but who isn't coming. They're trying to build this temple. You know why? For sacrifice, when the church is gone, those who are born again are, are away, that Jews will get saved. Without the blood of Jesus. Without the death of Christ and the resurrection to justify them. Without the Holy Spirit to quicken them, to regenerate them. For the Holy Spirit, they say, is he who let, who will let, till he be taken out of the way, is the Holy Spirit taken out. That's what you're being taught. And it means there's no Holy Ghost. And Jews preaching without the power of the Holy Ghost and doing sacrifices and worship when they were completed and finished in Christ say that they will save so many people, 144,000 at least, anyhow. That's what you're told. They will save them without the Holy Ghost. I won't tell you, I fully believe that the Lord Jesus Christ and the Bible tells us there is no other way but by him. And him alone. I'm a Jesus-only preacher, and I don't make any apologies for it. Christ and Christ alone. So, you know what this is? This is to draw the world to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. I'll use the word Armageddon, although that's a different term. It's a longer period, but we'll use Armageddon for time's sake. If you go to, when you go home, read Hebrews 10. It speaks of Christ's sacrifice, finishing, that, uh, that it finishes all the sacrifices. The book of Hebrews was written because there were those from a, a, a Jewish religious background, i.e. maybe Judaites, who had come to saving faith in Christ and started to return to the temple, as it were, to worship and sacrifice. And it was written saying, that is obsolete. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's why the book of Hebrews was written. I don't know what these people are 
reading this weather, these, especially the televangelists. Heard a good one today. Telling them up in the prayer meeting. Or yesterday. Benny Hinn. You know what he said? People are being healed by just walking into Jerusalem or flying over it. That's what he's starting to teach people. Just by walking in, the presence of God is hitting them. And they're being healed. Folks, I want to tell you something. See, until Christ returns, Jerusalem is forsaken. For it cost our Savior outside the city walls. The hook is put into the jaws of the nation. So know the days you're living in. The Jews and Christian Zionism want the temple to be built after believing an erroneous doctrine which has filled Protestantism. It's concocted by a Roman Jesuit priest called Emmanuel Diaz Lacunza. Look him up. Under the Jewish pseudonym name of Rabbi Yohan Yehoshaphat ben Ezra. A rabbi, he said, and they threw it out. Know the days in which we live in. Revelation 16. Please, Revelation chapter 16. Appreciate your attention. We'll try and wrap this up as soon as we can for you. Revelation chapter 16. In verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. The waters thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Notice, for they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Spirits like devils, dragon, communism, Marxism, socialism in its extremity, and even Zionism. The beast. Rome, the little horn, the European Union, the Babylonian monetary system, the false prophet, he's in the desert, Muhammad, spirits of devils. They're gathering people together. Notice this, know the days in which we live. Do you know why the Dome of the Rock is in Jerusalem? For the Battle of Armageddon. Do you know why... Islam itself has taken over for years and is resurging again for the Battle of Armageddon. Do you know why the Jews are in Jerusalem? For the Battle of Armageddon. Do you know why the Jesuits deceived multitude numbers of believers, seduced them with this doctrine? For the Battle of Armageddon. For they will place, try to place a temple where the Dome of the Rock is and it will explode. Do you, think the, do you think all those all those Islamic nations are going to sit by and allow a Jewish temple to be placed in the place or even beside a mosque? You know why the European Union was formed? 
for the bottle of Armageddon. Do you know why the River Euphrates was dried up? That is, the population dried up and just became the Turkish Empire. I'll look at it again another night for the Battle of Armageddon. Do you know why the kings of the East are able to rise after that? For the Battle of Armageddon, China, and North Korea, India, all the rising. When did you ever hear of these nations arising before in history? They were just other nations that, that didn't know or have much. That's what we thought. You know why the communist nations are rising again now after thinking they're finished for the Battle of Armageddon? Ezekiel 38 tells us of Gog and Magog, Meshach and Tuval. And they are Russia, Moscow, Tobolsk. And with them will come Persia, which is Iran and Iraq and Ethiopia. The northern parts of Africa is Libya, Gomer, the house of Tagarma and all his bands. Turkey, in other words, parts of Germany and the steppes of Russia, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Afghanistan, all the stand countries will come against the land of Israel. The Lord says he has a company, Sheba and Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish and all the young lions thereof. That is, Great Britain and the United States will say, Art thou come to take a spoil? And the commonwealth of nations, that is a nation and a company of nations shall come of thee, Abraham. And they will come to the battle. In 1906, within the last hundred years, change of circumstance, change of leaders, or even formation of country, Iran was formed 1921 Afghanistan 1922 Egypt changed 1922 again Iraq was formed 1924 Euphrates Euphrates was completely dried up with the population that was run by the Turkish Ottoman Empire and the Sultan was set in and then 1930 we have Lebanon 1938 Syria 1946 Jordan 1947 Pakistan the God had the trees of the field getting ready 1948 the Israeli state See, all of, most of these ones which I've mentioned, you know, if you do a geographical map of them, do you know where they belong to? Remember the four generals I told you, the four heads, the four noble ones? They belong to the Seleucid kingdom of the little horn. Isn't that tremendous? Is that not tremendous that God knows everything? I want to wrap it up now. Thank you. The Arab Spring was a waxing, a, a ripening of the long ages hardly noticed until the last few years. So what do we do? Because the world is going to become, as it were, a smoking cinder in space, should the Lord Jesus Christ tarry, should the Lord Jesus Christ leave us to our own devices. Turn with me for the finish to Zechariah chapter 14, please. I know this has been long, and these are big studies, and I really appreciate your attention this evening. Zechariah 14. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from that day. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. Notice verse 4. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east, notice, 
toward the east and toward the west, right between the two horns. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst of the toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a great valley, and the half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half toward the south. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, we're told. Listen, friend, Mark chapter 5, and then again in Mark chapter 7, two different women. One is a Syrophoenician woman, comes begging at the feet of Jesus for crumbs to fall from the master's table for the healing of her daughter, and he heals her at the feet of Jesus. And another one comes pleading at the feet of Jesus, and he heals her. Mary, sitting at that wonderful school of theology of the Holy Ghost, at the feet of Jesus. Jesus goes to the gatherings and a man comes out full of demons which no man could control, binding them with chains. And Christ comes, speaks the word into his life. And friend, the demons flee from him. And the man is found clothed, sitting in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. There's a woman comes. She cries at the feet of Jesus and washes his feet with her her tears, and dries them with her hair and gets out the ointment and she anoints his feet, anoints the feet of the Savior. Feet that walked the shores of Galilee, the feet that were glorified at the Mount of Transfiguration. The feet that walked into Jerusalem when they cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, Baruch Abba, Bashem Adonai. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Oh, friend, this, those feet, this same Jesus, the same one is returning again. He is the one who was nailed to the tree prophesied off in Psalm 22 and verse 16. For dogs have compassed me and the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. The dogs of Rome, the assembly of the wicked were the Jewish leaders. Since they've pierced my hands and my feet. Those feet left the Mount of Olives when he ascended. It's the last part of Christ that they would see as they looked to him. And those men said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. This same Jesus. The feet that were nailed to the tree are coming back and he will stand in that day those same nail scarred feet upon the Mount of Olives. He showed me his hands that were marred by my sinning. He showed me his feet that were nailed to the tree. I then saw his brow and a sigh deeply wounded. And now I love Jesus. And Jesus loves me. He's coming again. To rule and to reign. Wherefore God 
hath also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every other name. That the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things on the earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Heaven, earth, and under the earth. Not a triple crown of a Pope of Rome. Only Christ is the head of the church. And he's the king of Israel. Got excited there, didn't I? How can you not? And when he comes, the power of our God and of his Christ, touching a mountain, Causes the mountain to split in two. Oh dear. And when we praise and worship and the power of God comes down. It's hard to move God's people. The hills they they melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth said the psalmist. Thank you for your attention this evening. And hope in long. First Corinthians fifteen and twenty five says, For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. When he returns he will rule with a rod of iron. See, five minutes after Jesus touches down, the place will be like Eden on earth again. We'll live with him. We'll rule with him. We'll reign with him for a thousand years. Are you saved? You ready? For the coming of the Lord dwelt now. We better go home before I start preaching now. Starting to get into things. God bless you. If you're not saved, you must be ready. Born again of the Spirit. It's not trying to offend anyone. But love people's souls no matter who you are. No matter where you're from. We love the truth of God's word. Let's proclaim it to all the people that we know round about. If you're not saved, let this be in your mind. If you're not going on with God, let this be in your mind. There's a young man here, isn't that right, Kyle? And he, and he was here a few weeks ago and he met me in the field and he says, it's been in my mind what you said. I need saved. And he got saved in the field when I was walking the dog. Two weeks later, after sitting in the house of God. Gary, will you come up and lead us in something to close? Your attention has been tremendous. Next week, in the desert, we'll show you the desert. I'm going to go in. That's, Daniel's closed. Revelation is open. And in the book of Revelation, it shows you Abaddon and Apollyon. It shows you the devil, the stars, Satan falling from heaven to earth. What Jesus says about it. We'll talk about it. And that's where Muhammad gets his visions from for the Islam- Islamic movement. And we'll talk about that next week.